Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Sunday night. It's November 27th. Welcome back to the Iowa College Basketball Podcast. I've got Matt Norlander with me. It's been a couple of days since we uh, last talked. Some interesting results. Gonzaga uh, beat Florida and Iowa State this weekend. Zags are now 6-0. and Look strong. Meantime, uh, Frank Martins. South Carolina Gamecocks, 6-0 with double-digit wins over Michigan. And Syracuse, I now have them ranked in the top 25-1. and one. Duke uh, is even more banged up than they were this time last week. Seems impossible, but it is true. Going to talk about all of that uh, in this episode of the Island College Basketball Podcast. But I wanted to start with uh, the team that uh, has better wins than anybody in the country so far this season, and that's, that's the Baylor Bears. Scott Drew's Baylor Bears. They're 6-0. and uh, They've beaten Oregon, beaten VCU beat Michigan State and Louisville. That's three wins over teams that were in the top 13 of the preseason AP poll, four wins over teams that are currently ranked in the, in the top 35 at, at Ken Palm. Matt Norlander, your thoughts on Scott Drew's Big 12 basketball team? Well, the win over Louisville is extremely impressive, and it will absolutely, I think, linger largely whenever – you know, we get to Selection Sunday, whatever Baylor has done in the Big 12. I think that it will end up having big impact because I think Louisville will probably be in a good position to have a relatively important seed. And they roared back. I mean, for them to have come back the way Woo! they did, cause they looked, you know, you had written something on Baylor <laughs> earlier last week, and they, they they came out and just didn't look good at all. Uh, Louisville really was, was kicking all cylinders there. And I thought, well, that was short-lived, and the Cardinals, I guess, are for real. And then out of nowhere, they just roar back. They get a nice 66-63 win down in the Bahamas, and uh, just extremely and exceedingly impressive. And, yeah, right now, they have the best resume in all of college basketball because they have wins over Oregon, VCU, Michigan State, Louisville. The Gulf Coast win will probably look good because Gulf Coast will have a good chance to be in the tournament mm-hmm. as the auto bid from their conference overall. So they're looking good, and they have a home game against Sam Houston State this week, and then it sets up. We'll have another podcast before this game goes down. Maybe we'll we'll talk about it on our, our second episode later this week. But they get Xavier at home, which is obviously a fantastic opportunity because they've already done some good stuff away from home. Now, I will I will note that um, Baylor has, has yet to play a, a true road game, and it does not have a true road game on its non-conference schedule. That is something that I believe – the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uh, should, by default, reward other teams that have similar schedules that play on the road. So that might be the one thing that hurts Baylor a little bit down the road. But overall, they're looking good, and they get Xavier at home upcoming this weekend. That's also an undefeated 6-0 team. So that will, that might end up being, and probably will end up being, the biggest game of next weekend overall. But uh, nothing but good things to say about the Bears right now. And... You know, if I can briefly just mention that because they've done so well, Iowa State it Iowa State proved itself well. I mean, it it really pushed Gonzaga. Didn't get the win, uh, but it was a tremendous game on Sunday. Between that and what West Virginia's done overall, the league is looking good right now. Kansas is clearly the best team in the league as we all expected, but I think the returns on ISU, on Baylor, on West Virginia, even like. TCU. Keep in mind, like West Virginia just lost to Temple. Did they really? You didn't know that? Yeah, they lost to Temple. <laughs> yeah, they lost to Temple. 
That's brutal, dude. They they real. Oh man, I totally missed. It. I to, in in my defense, uh, I might have been in a, in a in a food based coma on that. No, I was actually at a uh, at a show. So they they lost the temple. I did miss that entirely. But yeah, it was, it was on it was on Black Friday. Yeah, so that's a little bit rough there. Although Temple did the day before beat uh, Florida State. Now, this is the same Temple team that lost to New Hampshire and UMass. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the past three games for Temple have been a, a victory over Manhattan. Then they beat Florida State uh, when they were like a 10-point underdog. And then they were like a 13-point underdog to West Virginia, and they won that. So that's, that's good for the American Athletic Conference, which needs any good news given you know what's happened to UConn. Yeah, absolutely. The only Big 12 team with two losses – as of the time of this podcast recording, is actually Texas, which is, you know, not as good as I thought it would be out of the gate. I know it's young. I think Texas will actually wind up being okay. I think they'll get into the tournament overall. But everyone else is either undefeated, that being Baylor and TCU of all teams, and then everyone else aside from Texas only has one loss at this point. So I will give good some, luck for – Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'll give some credit to uh, our buddy John Rostein. We were at the Veterans Classic the uh, night before the season started. And we were having dinner in Annapolis and just random conversation. And I was like, is there a team that's ranked that you think shouldn't be ranked that in a month we're going to look up and go, wow, why, why were they in the top 25 in the preseason? And he immediately said Texas. And at this point, it does look like it is Texas. They, it doesn't mean they can't be good down the road. Like, I think they could be good, will be good down the road. Uh, but they're not very good right now. Back to that Baylor-Louisville game, some context on the comeback. They were down 32-10. to 10. 16 minutes into the game. So there's 24 minutes left. They're down 22 to a Louisville team that had, at the moment, the best defensive efficiency rating in the country. Like, you could play that game 50 times again from 32-10 with 24 minutes left, and it never goes down like that. But it went down like that. And so now Baylor's sitting here at at 6-0 and with, with three wins over teams that were in the top 13 of the preseason AP poll. And I had I had tweeted about them um, in advance of the Louisville game, because even after the Michigan State win, they still already had like the best resume in the country. Like before they even got the Louisville win, th- they were already uh, sitting with more win- you know top forty Ken Palm wins or whatever it was than than anybody else. And so I tweeted about it, and immediately you get all the Scott Drew chatter that has just sort of become cliche. It, it was it's always been cliche. Now it's cliche and also dumb like totally rooted in stupidity just people who aren't paying attention so you and I were talking on I guess it was Friday and I said um, you know I'm going to write something on Baylor Louisville no matter how it goes down but especially if Baylor wins because I've got I've got some good stuff that I've looked up on Baylor because I know what the perception is and it doesn't mesh with reality at all. Not anymore. So uh, as soon as I start tweeting about Baylor or, or just uh, and highlighting just facts about what they've done this year, you know, you start to hear, oh yeah, but you know, all Scott Drew does is get play, you know, big time talent and, and then underachieve with them. And may, perhaps that used to be true. He, he did get you know, a five-star in 2010, a five-star in 2011, a five-star recruit in 2012. He has not gotten a five-star recruit since 2012. Um, this roster right now doesn't have a single top 50 recruit on it. There's no top 50. It's mostly three-star guys. You know, uh, it's mostly three-star recruits. There's zero top 50 guys. I think two top 100s. And they're 6-0 and with, um, with wins over three preseason top 15 teams and win over Hall of Fame coach Tom Izzo, who has better talent, and a win over Hall of Fame coach Rick Pitino 
who has better talent. So like, it was just a perfect opportunity. I think the way I tweeted it was, this is your annual reminder that Scott Drew is damn good at his job. And he really is. And I'm not saying that he's always been good at his job. You know, but he also got this job when he was 33 years old under impossible circumstances. And, you know, I, I, I can remember when I was 33. I'm only I'm 39 now, but I'm a lot different at 39 than I was at 33. I'd like to think I'm better at my jobs at 39 than I was at 33. And I don't know why it's so hard for people to understand that maybe the Scott Drew you watched in his first four or five years at Baylor is not the same Scott Drew anymore because now he looks to be headed to his fourth straight NCAA tournament, fifth in six years, six in eight years, been to two Elite Eights, one in NIT. Um, and right now he's doing it with just sort of so-so talent relative to the Big 12. I went and looked up his past four recruiting classes. They ranked middle of the pack in the Big 12, basically middle of the pack, like a four Fourth in the Big 12, sixth in the Big 12, fifth in the Big 12. And yet, um, here they are. And so I just think it's like, you know, history will judge him as somebody who had one of the great rebuilding jobs in college basketball history. And I I, I know people are coming around because I hear from them too on Twitter. But, like, at this point, if you're skeptical of him as a leader of a college basketball program, you just, you're just you living in the past or being stubborn in in the face of facts because the facts are really impressive at this point. But especially considering that he's doing this at Baylor. Um, Sam Bassini, our, our old colleague, tweeted earlier in the week, last week, that from 19, I think it was 59 through 2007, Baylor never appeared in the AP poll at all, not once. And Scott's had him in, ranked in the AP poll each of the past 10 seasons at some point. Like I had some Kansas fans say, oh, you're impressed with Scott Drew. Well, look at what Bill Self's done. Well, first off, I'm not comparing Scott Drew to Bill Self. Bill Self's a hall of, like a clear-cut Hall of Famer. But like Bill's also doing it at Kansas. Doing it at Baylor is a different deal altogether, but he's doing it. I just, I don't know. I feel like we have one of these podcasts every year, but um, he, he does it every, you know, seemingly every year. He has one of these moments where you go, well, you know what? Like, you, you can laugh at him if you want to, but you're laughing at a guy who's super successful at his job. Sure, and Baylor will probably because the the thing is, there's a little bit of a uh, pendulum effect with Baylor here and there because they inevitably seem to have one or two games uh, that are relatively big games, you know, on a you know national stage, so to speak, every year. And either they blow a big lead and lose at home, or they just they just take a loss to a team that they necessarily shouldn't. And because of that, they've got a little bit of the misguided you know Dabo Swinney like two years ago he yep, like yep. he like killed the term Clemsoning forever like he had a press conference where he basically went off on that term and I really haven't seen it surface ever since now part of that's been Clemson's just been an amazingly awesome football program for the past three seasons under Dabo um, I think a lot of that is disappearing with Scott I do think it's going to take something like winning the big 12 regular season which just seems luck, impossible right yeah exactly or um Maybe another deep run, like an elite eight run, maybe as a as a lower or whatever seed, whatever. I think there's just needs to be. It's wrong. I'm just saying perception sure. has a way of of kind of taking over these things, and I think it might take a little bit more. I'll pivot uh, within the Big Twelve here, GP. I actually think that when we get to the end of the season, uh, Baylor's had a good start. It should have a good resume. I think Iowa State will be the second best team in the conference. I say that having watched them uh, a lot over this Thanksgiving uh, extended weekend. And the reason why I say it more than any other is that I've seen now Monty Morris and Deontay Burton, both of them have take over a game and 
ability, a serious game-changing ability. I don't think anyone on Baylor has that, and I think when you have one guy like that, it's huge. And now, I mean, Deontay Burton is balling out of his mind. Uh, he's been absolutely ridiculous. And I think overall, I like Iowa State's veteran leadership. Now, they're smaller in general, um, but I do. Like, it should be interesting to see the race for second in the league Iowa State came really, really, really close to stealing it from Gonzaga. Gonzaga's doing well, and we'll get to them. But overall, I do think I like ISU just a smidge more in the Big 12 this year. Do you disagree? Do you like Baylor more than what the clones have? No, I don't disagree with that. I I, I think Baylor should be ranked ahead of Iowa State at this moment. But if, if your point is, you know, by the time we look up last week of, of the regular season, um, Iowa State's going to be second in the Big 12 standings. And, and Baylor will be somewhere below that. I don't disagree with that. I, I really like that Iowa State team too. I mean, I think not any time, but most of the time when you've got, you know, just a super steady, proven, you know, senior point guard, like you're going to be okay. Like you, like it's hard to be bad when you've got that guy. It's why I, 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 I don't have Maryland ranked right now, but I I'm, I don't think Maryland's going to be terrible because like I just think if you've got Mellow Trimble, like you don't have to. It's something that lots of programs, even good ones, have to worry about that you just don't have to worry about. You got a guy who understands how to win games, who understands how to close. Uh, Maryland has that in Mellow, and and undeniably Iowa State's got that in Monte Morris, who has just been you know a sort of a like a whatever recruit coming out of high school, you know, from Flint. And didn't get an. I don't think he got a Michigan State offer, or at least they weren't on him hard. Um, and and he has turned into one of the best point guards in the country, and I think a legitimate NBA prospect at, at Iowa State. So if, um, yeah, if we were predicting Big Twelve final standings, you know, I'd, I'd still have West Virginia up there somewhere, despite the loss to Temple. But yeah, Kansas, you know, West Virginia, Iowa State, Baylor, in some order after that. Yeah, that all makes sense to me. It's very early, just because. I mean, Baylor fans are ecstatic, obviously. With I have them eleventh in the top twenty-five and one, but I did have some say. Um, if you if you're the one, if you're the one stomping your foot, screaming that they've got better wins than everybody else, why do you have them all the way down at eleven? And the truth is, like, uh, some of the reason they have better wins than everybody else is they've just played a different schedule than, than like a lot of teams. You know, some of, this early in the season, who has the best wins and who has the like? It's somewhat to do nothing more with schedule and opportunity. They've taken advantage of their opportunity and like knocked it out of the park. But just because they have the best resume right now, I don't think that means Baylor's the best team. I, I don't. I think those are two totally different things. Right, and you're trying to balance kind of both results right. and projection, which is still totally, by the way, that's absolutely fair and should be how it's done for like the first three weeks of the season because you don't have the ability to know going into a season who you're necessarily face in the second and third day of a, of a tournament. Right. So you could get rewarded and take advantage of those opportunities or you take a bad loss and then you don't get, and that again can hurt uh, NCAA selection and seating when we get to that as well. So definitely for the first month of the season, it's, it's very much a balance of both of those. Um, but then again, like there's teams like South Carolina who has started six and O GP. I could not find, I, I looked, I could not find record. It's been easily, two and a half decades it, it might be five decades since the last time south carolina went back-to-back -back seasons with six and zero starts it hasn't happened in forever now last year they did it obviously they started 15 and 0 i was openly skeptical of the team throughout that because their schedule wasn't again super impressive but we gave credit to 
it being South Carolina and basketball and starting like that, which is totally valid. Now, this team this year looks even better. Its strength of schedule should be better. I do think it will play its way into the NCAA tournament. It got a good win over Michigan on Wednesday, came back and got a really good win over Syracuse on Saturday. And so because of that, they're 6-0, a good win for the SEC, a good win for Frank Martin. And I do think that this team is set up to play itself into the NCAA tournament. It's just got to not take bad losses. That's that's the huge thing that that I think will be the deciding factor. If it wins the games it should win, then I think we'll get to the point where it, it finds itself in the top four, top five at worst in the SEC. Well, the problem last year was you know they they, they started fifteen and zero, thirteen and zero in the non-league portion of their schedule, um, but it was against nothing. Like they didn't have a single top forty. Ken Palm win in the non-league portion of their schedule. They beat Clemson. Clemson finished 45th at Ken Palm, and that killed that that killed them on Selection Sunday. It was non-league strength of schedule and lack of quality wins in the non-league portion of your schedule. I had a lot of wins, but like, which ones can you brag about? Um, I say that to say this: right now, they've already got two non-league wins that are better than any non-league win they had last year. You know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and 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 they aren't squeak by. Like, you know, bang home a couple of threes late and, and, and steal a victory. Like, they beat Michigan's brains in. They beat Syracuse handily. They, they, they double-digit wins, both of them. And so, um, yeah, and I, I remember talking to Frank about this last year. Um, and obviously the season didn't finish the way that it started. But every time you see a coach get hired somewhere – you know, he immediately starts talking about we're going to change the culture and I'm going to put my, you know, put my fingerprints on this. And, you know, it's going to reflect, you know, and, and it doesn't always happen. Um, he is absolutely like like his South Carolina teams look a lot like his Kansas State teams, you know, like like, you know, they're, they're tough and, and they're, they're a reflection of his personality in some ways. Um, I really do think he's changed the culture there. Uh, not unlike Buzz is changing the culture at Virginia Tech. Um you know, Virginia Tech got a nice win over Nebraska, double-digit win over Nebraska earlier Sunday. Um, Frank's done a tremendous job at South Carolina. That's not, you know, that's not an easy job. Go look at the history of South Carolina basketball. Not a lot of dudes win there, um, but I'm in agreement with you. I think they're headed to the NCAA tournament this year as long as they perform well in the SEC. And I don't think it's going to be too terribly difficult to perform well in the SEC because I don't know who's good in there outside of Kentucky, which is great. Um, Florida, which... I have good start. good start. You know, they lost to Gonzaga, but a single digit loss. And then earlier Sunday, they beat Miami, uh, pulled away late. And, um, you know, had, they were down, I think, five points at one point in the second half, came back, win that game. So Florida's good. Uh, South Carolina, I now have in the top 25 and one. So I now have three teams in the top 25 and one. And, and Texas A&M has an, an, an opportunity to get there. Um, so, like, but outside of those four, like, I don't know. Like like Vanderbilt's not very good, and uh, you know Ole Miss is fine. Um, Auburn might be a little better than folks expected, but still probably a year away from breaking through. My point is, I don't see South Carolina falling apart in the SEC. And as, at this point, it looks like as long as they don't fall apart in the SEC, they're going to go to the NCAA tournament, and that'd be an awesome story. It would be something to keep an eye on there. I think the SEC at the end of the season will be a five bid league tops Georgia. We'll have a good chance of sneaking in there because they got good players. I, I, I like Georgia too. I should, I should. Uh, I, right, but uh, let's be fair, uh, GP. Now, you know the two toughest opponents they've played. They've lost to. Granted, one of them was Kansas, who I picked to win the title, and the other one was at Clemson to start the season. That's tough. Um, but like Georgia has a home game against Marquette next weekend. 
that's when you got to win. If you're an NCAA tournament team, if you're a top five team in the SEC, you know, you better win that game. Uh, you got to, you know, Georgia Tech is not a good team this year. They've got a road game against Georgia Tech in December. You got to win that game. So I do like what they have. And I'm a big Yontay Maton fan in terms of what he can bring within the dynamic of this team and how he plays off of J.J. Frazier. But I just want to see a little bit more of them. To me, South Carolina right now is very much shaping up to contend. I'm, I'm a seller on A&M still. Like, I still think they'll get to the tournament. I just don't think that they'll be a, the number two team in the league. I think it will come down to Florida and now South Carolina this year in terms of who will be uh, second fill behind Kentucky in and, that league. And, and I liked Arkansas in the preseason, but, man, when I watch you go get destroyed at Minnesota, like, I just – I like them on paper. Like, I like the roster. But, like, when I – like, I've never seen – I really don't know if there's ever been a team that is so drastically different at home and away. Like, like and, it's, and it's not just a team. It's a program. Year after year after year, it's the same thing. They can beat – even when they're average, they can beat anybody at Bud Walton. And even when they're good, they can lose to anybody on the road. It is such a weird deal. And, you know, I was on uh, Bo Mattingly's radio show, terrific radio host in Arkansas. Um, I want to say the day of the Arkansas-Minnesota game. And I was like, listen, Minnesota's not very good. So, like, if you're supposed to be an NCAA tournament team, you know, this is the type of game you got to go win. And I think they will win. But they lose games inexplicably on the road all the time. And so, hopefully – you know, if, if if you're Mike Anderson, you got that change. And then they went out and lost by, like, a million at Minnesota. Like, it was never close. And so, yeah. I don't know what to make of that team. They'll probably beat Kentucky. Do they even get Kentucky at home? I don't know. <laughs> like, they'll probably beat Kentucky at home by by 15 and then, like, lose at Tennessee by 40. Like, you just you – know, like, who, who can who can ever tell with them? But I, all in all, to, to sort of wrap back around for the SEC, um, only one team was ranked in the preseason. And at this moment, and again, this is this, this is Sunday same, night, right? Um, no, I, well, yes, but like I've got three in the top twenty-five and one right now. Yeah, yeah. And 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 just so we're clear, we are recording this about an hour and a half before Texas A&M and UCLA play. So if Texas A&M wins, I think you could look up tomorrow in the AP poll and Monday in the AP poll and have a situation where Kentucky, Florida, South Carolina, and Texas A&M are all ranked. Four teams in the top twenty-five after having only one in the preseason, that wouldn't be a uh, uh, a bad deal. Um, yeah, I'm gonna lay it out here before this game happens, so the people are gonna be listening to this after the UCLA A&M game has gone final. So I could just sound absolutely ridiculous, but I got UCLA by like thirteen points in that game. Oh, I, wow. I think somebody I think loves the Bruins will, somebody loves Lonzo Ball. Well, how could you not love Lonzo Ball? I love. Man, I've been. Lo- I love. I discovered Lonzo Ball. You did discover him. I think you discovered the whole family. They got a couple more ball kids coming to ball at UCLA in the coming years as well. But I, I like UCLA huge in that one. Uh, so we'll see what, what comes to be. And by the way, as a side note to anyone listening, on Monday afternoon, I should have just a general look at all the major conferences and how they've performed overall. So like the best wins, the worst losses, because we're, you know, we're, you know, more than two weeks into the season now. We've had a lot of these November tournaments wrap up. And so if you're interested in just the big conference stuff, I'm going to work on that tonight and then early into tomorrow morning so you can kind of compare which leagues have done well and which haven't and uh, who kind of needs to make moves here over the next two weeks as we head toward finals when the schedules kind of dry up a little bit. Okay, big game on, what night is it, Tuesday night? Duke-Michigan State? Is it Tuesday? Yeah, because I think Indiana-Carolina is Wednesday. Okay, so Duke-Michigan State, it's Michigan State at Cameron Indoor. Um, both these teams dealing with injuries suffered in the preseason. Duke even more than Michigan State, and Michigan State's have been devastating. But 
Um, here we are, the consensus number one team in the preseason in America. It is now November 27th. So this game is going to be November 29th. And Coach K has already said that Jason Tatum, Harry Giles, Marquise Bolden are not going to play. Grayson Allen is questionable for the game. Um, I, like um, At this point, when, when Giles had surgery, Tatum went down and Bolden went down, I think the assumption was that they'd all be back by now. I know that you know. I know that Duke thought at the very least Giles would like. Well, you know, Tatum was initially like a, supposed to be a two week deal. All right, that's been a month ago. Uh, I know Giles was supposed to be back by now. They were hoping they would. He he would be back in time for who did Duke play yesterday? Appalachian State. Who did they play? Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's what I was told uh, like a month ago that they were hoping to bring Giles back for that game and then have him for Michigan State. He still hasn't played. He won't play Tuesday. Tatum's still not back. Bolden's still not back. Grayson Allen is now uh, questionable. I, I can't remember a number one preseason number one team ever going through this. I mean, they got four first round possible first round draft picks, likely first round draft picks, um, who are either it, you know in street clothes right now or or questionable for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. It is like um, it's got to be f- so frustrating if you're part of that staff. And here's why. Like teams in every sport have injuries, right? But this is a, you know, like I, you know, I think everybody knows I live in Memphis. Last year, the Grizzlies had a million injuries. Like they, they actually set a record for, for players on their roster from the beginning of season to the end of the season. No playoff team has ever had as many different players play for them in one season as the Grizzlies had last season. And that was incredibly frustrating for the fan base and for the staff. Um, but like, okay. There's always next year. Marcus Saul's back. Mike Conley's back. Tony Allen's back. Zach Randolph's back. Whatever. In basketball at the collegiate level, especially when you're recruiting the way Duke is, you only get one shot at this. Like if Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, Marquise Bolden aren't healthy this year, you don't get to go. Hey, well, we'll have them next year. You're not going to have them next year. Like maybe Bolden, maybe, but like Giles is gone. Tatum's gone. Grayson Allen probably gone. So like you only get a you only you you recruit like crazy. Invest. You know, hours and days and weeks and years trying to build this roster to this point, and then you don't even, and then you, like you might not ever have it where you thought you were going to have it, and then it's gone forever. Like that's insane to me. It's wild. I did not think we'd get to this point. I thought even two weeks ago that for the MSU game we'd have at least one of the freshmen back, and yeah, now like I got to think that Grayson's going to give it a go here uh, with the toe injury. And all these subsequent tripping jokes that just piled in from all angles of the earth after that happened. Um, yeah, the sooner the better. I mean, maybe they set them for, you know, for one more game here. They get Maine on Saturday. I mean, if you're going to bring guys back, <laughs> you, you want to play them against Maine, uh, you know, because you, you don't want to throw them into the fire. Um I gotta think they're coming soon here because eventually there is a detrimental fact effect here. I think at some point because you want to get these guys on the floor playing together, like truly in a game environment, so they know the rhythms, they know each other's games, how they're gonna play. Because Duke still has, I mean, the MSU one. I mean, and by the way, Michigan State. This is the one break. I mean, Tom Izzo went on a a little bit of a you know. A, a self-deprecating lecture uh, at a press conference, just uh, basically apologizing 
to his team with how much he and we talked about this last week about mm-hmm. all the all the tr- travel and all that. But if you're Michigan State, this is the break you get. Like you're going to get Duke with the, like far, far, far from full strength. It's still such a tall task. But maybe maybe they steal it. It's really tough to see that happening. But it would uh, it would it would certainly be one good karma swing their way after all that they've uh, endured in battle. But with with Duke, yeah, and in a certain way, you know, we've just we've been robbed of seeing uh, arguably the best team in college basketball at its very best. You know, when are we going to get this te- get to see this team fully healthy? The Marquise Bolden stuff is still you know something of a mystery here. I mean, Giles we're expecting back pretty pretty soon here. Tatum as well. I mean, these guys should be back pretty soon. It's just a matter of. Like it's Shashevsky straight up waiting until they are 100% before he puts them on the floor because he doesn't want because he sees what his team is, he doesn't want to jeopardize getting them hurt again and you know maybe jeopardizing their draft stock. I don't know. It's it's very interesting to see how slow this is is becoming and what I do think will happen is I think if if Duke barely beats Michigan State or if it outright loses, I think the conversation we're having right now will certainly be amplified nationally i think you'll see more stories about it maybe they talk about it more um during that game sports center van pelt whomever radio shows i just think when you've got a program like duke which is so national and has such appeal like that will be a huge game that will be the biggest game in america on tuesday night regardless of sport duke at home huge acc big 10 challenge game and you're going to see more shots of giles and tatum and bolden in street clothes sitting on the bench Uh, eventually you know they got to get back on the floor here and the longer it lingers, I think the more Shashevsky is going to be asked about it. And, you know, let's just get him back. I mean, I just I want to see this team at, at full strength because I think at full strength, it has the potential to be really, really special and therefore really, really good for the sport. Because Duke, when it's when it's great, like go ahead and hate them, like hate them all you want. It's it is it makes them watchable for that very reason. And we haven't gotten to see that yet. Um, it'd be too. It'd be nonsensical for two reasons to bring them back before they are 100% healthy, as you pointed out. And the obvious reason is because um, it, the, these kids are worth millions of dollars. Um, that's not hyperbole. You know, maybe tens of millions of dollars. But the way NBA contracts are, like, there's nothing crazy to think Jason Tatum could sign a hundred million dollar contract someday. Mike Conley just signed one. Chandler Parsons just signed one for ninety four and a half million. So could Harry Giles ever get one for one hundred and thirty? Yeah, maybe. So like, we're talking about lots and lots of money. You don't want to jeopardize that any more than it's already jeopardized. Beyond that, and here's the here's the other reason, um, you can win these games without them. Like that's the thing about college basketball. It's not like you have to play. Um, you know, the Clippers one night and the Spurs the next. You know, for the for the most part, if you're a, a high major program, like most of your early games, most of your games before January are complete mismatches. And so, like, by definition, Duke can win most of these games without Giles and Tatum and Bolden. They've won all of them except one without Giles, Tatum, and Bolden. So you don't need to rush them back because it would be uh, reckless to do that. You know, as and I mean this sincerely. Like, as a leader of young men, um, to jeopardize hundreds of millions of dollars, perhaps to at least tens of millions of dollars, um, would be wrong. Um, just, just, just wrong in every way. But like, you don't need them right now. You'd love to have them right now, but you don't need them. Yeah, you, you need them healthy. Uh, I think in February because you want them to get some some rhythm and be in a you know be comfortable and understand how to play with each other. Um, but you really need them. You need them to be at their best in March. You know, and 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 I fingers crossed. I I I I think they will be, um, but I I am surprised that we haven't seen any of those three 
uh, so far. I mean, you're talking about three five-star projected lottery picks that Duke enrolled, and uh, none of them have played a single minute of college basketball, and we're getting ready to head into uh, December. Um, before we get out of here, uh, the big event this week is the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, let's run through it real quick. I'm going to ask you to pick the games, Norlander, and we're going to figure out in advance who's going to win the ACC Big Ten Challenge. You ready? Let's do it. This is going to be total top of my head. Instant answers. Go ahead. Minnesota at Florida State. FSU. I agree. Wake Forest at Northwestern. Northwestern. I agree. Um, then we get the Tuesday night. Syracuse at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I agree. Michigan State at Duke. Duke. I agree. If Allen plays. If Allen doesn't play and they don't have those four dudes, I'm going to say Michigan State. Pitt at Maryland. Oh, man. All right, I'll take Maryland barely. I agree. And on Maryland, real quick, they started 7-0. and I still don't have them ranked in the top 25, and one Maryland fan just struggling with that. Here's the truth. Like, awesome to be 7-0. and Like, congratulations. You can't be better than 7-0 and through seven games. But, um, you know, they went to overtime with Richmond. Uh, they beat Kansas State by a point. Kansas State's, like, supposed to, like, is picked near the bottom of the Big 12. And um, Vegas doesn't like them at all. Do you know Maryland was a four-point underdog to Kansas State on a neutral court? Yeah, uh, that's bad. And honestly, like, this team is five and two at best if they don't have Trimble. And really, you could say they'd be four and three. I mean, there's, there's an argument to be had for that. Yeah, so. but, but I give them Trimble. Like, I, that's, I don't I Yeah, don't, no, I'm, yeah. I know. I'm, what I'm saying is— I'm saying like, with Trimble. I, with Trimble, they're—, they're they're 55th at Ken Palm. They're, they were just underdogs to Kansas State on a neutral court, which suggests Vegas doesn't think much of them. Um, yeah. So at 7-0, and that's great. But it, are they really one of the top 26 teams in America right now? Um, I, I don't think so. But can they beat Pitt at home? Yeah, I think they can beat Pitt at and home. And they've been, real quick, GP, they've been the anti-Wisconsin when it comes to Ken Palm. Wisconsin, year in, year out, no matter what, is ranked really, really well. Sometimes, Like right now, Ken Palm has Wisconsin 5-2. and two. They're number 8 overall. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you've got plenty of undefeated teams, like Notre Dame, 29, teams even worse than that. Maryland has struggled to get into a ranking that you think would correlate with what its record is. So for whatever reason, it's really Maryland has been the anti-Ken Palm team when it comes to that kind of stuff. Okay, now we're at Iowa-Notre Dame, at Notre Dame. That's Notre Dame. I agree. Um, so we're all these so far yeah we okay. are lockstep so far Georgia. i'm not trying to pick like the home team a lot of these games like the better team i think it just happens to be at home here okay Go ahead. this is a tough one georgia tech at penn state oh that is a tough one but i will go penn state i, I will go penn state I I'm, not, I'm not huge on georgia tech I, I agree uh nc state this is another tough one i think nc state at illinois okay so real quick this is to me <laughs> this is the most intriguing game what uh Here's why, dude. Here's why this is so intriguing to me because NC State has not been as good as it should be, in my opinion, so far. It sh it should have been better than it's shown so far. Illinois dropped a home game to Winthrop. Illinois needs this kind of game. Uh, I will take NC State though. Are you going to take the home Illini? I took NC State. Yeah, Illinois four and three has lost three straight. Dropped, you know, it wasn't even competitive in Brooklyn. Dropped West Virginia and FSU. Illinois really needs this win, and I don't think they're going to get it. NC State is – they actually both have, like, good talent. Like, if, if both rosters just showed up on a playground and balled out, like, you'd be entertained with the guys they have. But uh, I'm not feeling good about Illinois. I do give NC State the edge here. Tough road game 
to me, very, very intriguing. Okay, now we are to Wednesday, and so far you and I, you and I agree on every game. Wow. Purdue at Louisville. That's enticing, but I will go Louisville. I agree. Um, North Carolina at Indiana. I mean, that's a, just a tremendous game. Uh, this one's tough. That's the best game of the week. Of course. Uh, man. Well, we get we get Kentucky UCLA on the weekend. Yeah. Gun to my head, I'm taking I do want to put a gun I do want to put a gun to your head. Well, that got really dark in a hurry. I will a gun to my head though, like I would go Indiana there cuz they I'm, they are. I'm picking Indiana too. I mean, Tom Crean's already we, we we designed a statue for Tom Crean. You don't think he could beat North Carolina at home? He very he very much can. That should be that. Sh- the offense is on display there. That should be that should be a tremendous game. Ohio State at Virginia. Oh, that's that's got to be Virginia. It's got to be Virginia. My God, man! The, you, you people can't score on them again. It's insane. I know. <laughs> it's like, it's, bonkers, dude. dude. Like, why can no? It doesn't matter even who play. I'm I'm convinced Tony Bennett could take, uh, like could trade rosters with Southern Illinois. And he in Southern Southern Illinois would be top ten defensive efficiency rating. Here's real quick before we wrap this up. So, and I don't mean that right, I don't mean that as anything to say about Southern Southern Illinois. I just it just that for yeah. whatever reason that school popped into my head. It, my point is Tony, like he loses players, enrolls new guys. They still guard. <laughs> it, it it is insane that whoever he has on his roster, you're going to have a hell of a time trying to score against them. Yeah, and and here's the thing: they haven't played a crazy tough schedule. It ranks 252 overall, but he's using his bench. So they've used the the bench usage for Virginia is the fourth most in the nation, and so it speaks to here the here are the opponent totals: 51, 32, 38, 34, Come on, 41, 52. I don't care if you know you got St. Francis, New York, Grambling State, and Greensboro. I understand that Providence, Iowa, Yale's has a road win against Washington. They only put 38 on them. When you're doing it against D1 competition like that, and Virginia's by far the best defensive team in the country right now, it's still impressive because there are plenty of other teams playing garbage schedules that aren't coming anywhere close to that. And Bennett's doing it, by the way, rotating five, six guys off the bench to do this. Like, total team defense, it's insane. Ohio State's basically got to figure, like, if we can somehow manage to get 60 points in Charlottesville, maybe we have a chance. I don't think they'll get there, though, and I like Virginia to win. And keep in mind, like they're doing this without Austin Nichols, who was like, yep. who is a very good defensive player. So um, just amazing work once again. Um, Virginia Tech at Michigan. All right. I'll take Buzz. Oh, I'll you're going buzz. with Buzz. I will. I, I will go Buzz there because you know what? There's going to be – I mean, how many road teams have I taken? I took NC State and Virginia Tech. Did they, they, the, this will not go where the home team wins every single game. We are going to have a couple of road wins here, so I will go. I will go the Hokies there. Rutgers at Miami. Uh, you know what? Rutgers has actually been better than people realize, uh, but that's Miami all the way. Of course, and Nebraska at Clemson. Um, I will. Nebraska has been has been okay, but I go Clemson there. All right. You ready for your totals, Norlander? Yeah, because I, I, I honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what my total is. What is it? You have the ACC winning nine to five. What about you? I have the ACC winning eight to six. I think where we're different is, I, I think we're the same everywhere except I. 
I took Michigan. Did at you home. take every home team? No. Um, well, let me see. I might have. Wisconsin, Duke, Maryland, Notre Dame, Penn State. No, I took NC State on the road. Okay. And that's it. I took NC State on the road. I took home teams in 13 of the 14 games. Yeah, I have a hard time believing it's going to go that. But maybe it will because, again, in a lot of these instances, the better team happens to be at home. Um, GP, I want to say, and I don't know if you have this in front of you or not, but like the ACC dominated this for like eight, ten years in a row. But I feel like the past four years, the Big Ten's won like three of the past four years, I think. So maybe the ACC, it swings back their way this year. But overall, some some interesting games. Uh, Carolina, Indiana highlights all of them. Uh, that's just awesome. So I'm very much looking forward to that. The way I wish they would do this, and they, um, they, I, I, they, I guess they can't for practical reasons. But I wish they'd wait till. You know, after the NBA draft deadline, and so you basically know whose rosters, you know, who who has who, gotcha, yeah. and and then you line it up, the perceived best against the perceived best, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So you might have Duke, Wisconsin, then you might have North Carolina, Indiana, then you might have uh, Virginia, and uh, I mean, I don't Michigan State. Yeah, like right, like so that because. You know, we we tend to talk about this afterwards, like, oh, the ACC beat the Big Ten, but a lot of it just comes down to the random matchups, and 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 home court advantage. Whereas if you could figure out, and again, I, I'm not suggesting, like, I'm not going to write a column saying this is what they must do, but it would be cool if if you got, or you even let the ACC and the Big Ten rank their own teams. You said rank your teams one through fourteen. Now we're going to play them. Odds play, uh, you know, odds odd games are are ACC home games. Uh, even games are Big Ten home games, and then you rotate that every year, and and you say, hey, put it up like almost like a a a, a penalty kicks in in a soccer match, right? Like you pick the order how you want to do it, and uh, but like yeah, like that'd be fun because then we'd really get, um, you know, great on great because we don't necessarily it, it, it typically shapes up like that more times than not, but it's not exactly. Um, you know, the, the best against the best, second best against second best, so on and so forth. So, um, but it'll be fun. Starts Monday, ends Wednesday, and Norland and I both think the ACC will win more of these games uh, than the Big Ten. Really disappointed in myself, Norlander. I'll tell you why. Why? Oh, because you didn't say Devin Downey yet? We spent like five minutes talking about South Carolina. And I, I thought about that. And I, you know what? No, that's, you don't give the people what they want right away. We're talking about South Carolina. They think a Devin Downey drop is coming. <laughs> shout out to Devin Downey right shout, now. Shout out to Devin Downey right now. That's right. So they thought that we were going to forget, but we never do. And we kept we kept them lingering and lingering and lingering. And sometimes I like when we go right up until the very end. It's like a Where's Waldo in audio form with our podcast. You're Ex- waiting for that Devin Downey. Except I've had uh, I've had one listener, at least one, say that he, um, you know, you know how sometimes the student section they all stand. Until uh, or like a you know they all like stand. The Syracuse, yeah, Syracuse claps until they fake, make their first field goal. Right, stuff. and so he he said he stands until the Devin Downey shoutout comes. Stop. And so uh, just no one said that. I That's swear enough. to God, you could probably find it on Twitter if you did some Google searches for it. And this so, dude says he stands when listening to our podcast until we mentioned Devin Downey. Yeah, and we went like thirty six minutes without getting to Devin Downey a few weeks ago, and he was like, "Come on, man!" Like I I was just waiting, and I ended up standing for like thirty six minutes, and now we put him through a good forty. Like that's 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 um, that's unkind. On uh, I, I take responsibility for that. I invented the Devin Downey shout out. I had a perfect net. Na- I don't even need a, an opening to shout out Devin Downey. I can do it whenever. I actually had an opening. The you know South Carolina is six and zero in the house that Devin Downey built. 
and we and we didn't even mention it until okay just... this is good calisthenics for that one young man who likes to my... torture himself yeah. until maybe maybe on thursday's podcast we drop a Devin down in the first few minutes give him a break you damn right that's the way it's going to go down remember you can subscribe to the ion college basketball podcast on itunes that's the best way uh, to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible so please go do that uh, thank you all so much for listening. Enjoy the ACC uh, Big Ten Challenge, and uh, we will talk to you again later on this week. Till then, take care.